Greetings, welcome to another episode of Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright. And I'm Vicar Leeper. And today we're going to look at St. Matthew chapter 18, which is for the 15th Sunday after Pentecost. And the big question that we're going to deal with is forgiveness. How many times am I to forgive my brother or anyone who sins against me? But before we get into that, we need to define some terms. So the first term I would like to define and kind of discuss is sin. Mm -hmm. And simply and straightforward, sin is any act contrary to God's will or command. But there's more to that. Yeah, I like that definition of sin. But I also like being reminded that sin happens in relationship, not a vacuum. Sin is things that break relationships, both with each other, um, but especially break our relationship with God. That's the effect that sin has, what it does. Um, so that's with that in mind, that's why Pastor Wright's definition of sin does make sense here. It's because things that go against the will of God break our relationship with God. Absolutely. And uh, with my definition, it's kind of the academic straightforward. But then how do we apply it? How do we deal with it? Right. And the reason I, I bring up the relational side of sin is that forgiveness, too, does not happen in a vacuum. But forgiveness happens in relationship. Well, you brought up forgiveness, so we need to define forgiveness, too. And forgiveness is not just the nice thing that makes everything okay. It is God saying, I forgive you, which means he is removing the iniquity, he is removing the separation, and he is putting you back in the right relationship with himself. And this is a huge thing because, again, it points to God. Yeah. Um, and I think forgiveness, more than anything, is uh, diametrically opposed to sin because it creates relationship. Yeah, I like how you put that. I, I hadn't thought of it that way. And I like the three things that you that you brought up there, that it removes iniquity, which is kind of, uh, how, how would you define that? Well, it, iniquity would be the, um, the stain, the, the implications, the consequence mm. of, of sin. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking as well. I just wanted to to see what you thought. But removing the, the separation, sin that separates us from God, it puts us back in right relationship with God. Uh, forgiveness restores the brokenness. Um, so, yeah. And this is what we get to talk about, especially in the text that is presented for the 15th Sunday after Pentecost. The question presented to Jesus is, how many times do I forgive my brother? And Jesus answers him, really in essence saying, every time, mm -hmm. forever and ever. Well, how do we deal with this? Because the big question is, I know I'm sinful, and I know I do the same sin right. over and over and over. But if somebody sins against me and I forgive them, do I forgive and forget? Do I then pretend like nothing happened? Do I start correcting that person mm. and withholding forgiveness until they really mean it? Because after all, if they keep doing it, are they really forgiven? Are they really taking forgiveness serious? Right. Well, and forgiveness is kind of at the center of the Christian life. And these are important questions. I think 
when we hear Peter ask, you know, how many times must I forgive my brother? Uh, we almost automatically assume the kind of pious and correct answer, which is as many times as it takes. But also think about the people in your life who have continually and and think about the people in your life who continually wrong you, who even though you keep forgiving them, keep doing this thing again and again and again. I don't think Peter's question is coming out of nowhere. I think his question is one that we grapple with a lot in our lives, and that reality bumps up against the pious right answer of as many times as it takes. So I think that your your many options and your many questions here are good ones. And I think to get into what we should do, we've got to look at what forgiveness actually is. And Jesus tells a parable about this, I believe, right after he talks about this. Yeah, the parable is great. So uh, to simply summarize it, you have this man and uh, he owes a ton of money. But the guy that he owes the money to says, don't worry, your debt is forgiven taken away. And then he immediately turns around and finds a guy who owes him a couple of dollars and has him thrown in jail until he is able to pay back the money, the small amount. And I love this parable simply because we can say, don't be like that guy. Mm -hmm. It's pretty straightforward, but it shows the forgiveness, shows compassion, shows grace, shows mercy, but it also shows uh, as you brought up several times, a broken relationship. Right. And then on top of that, because this one man was forgiven, he didn't show that forgiveness to another and wasn't living out the forgiven state that he was in. And this parable really shows this is how big it is for you. If God has forgiven you all your sins, and if you could read my statement that all would be all capitalized Mm -hmm. because it's not just the things that everybody sees and knows it's not even the things that you see and know it's all the things that you haven't done it's all the things that you do do it's all the things that you will do with god knowing all things that is how much you are forgiven and so for us to then turn around and say you know what You said something that wasn't so nice to me this morning. I don't like it. I'm not going to forgive you. Who am I to, first of all, hold that against you when I myself have been forgiven for everything, for everything that has earned me hell, everything that has earned me damnation, everything that has earned me the full wrath of God, and I'm going to be huffy and puffy because you said something I didn't like. I think this parable, and I think you hit the nail on the head, this parable gets at what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian is to A, receive forgiveness, and B, be forgiving. And I think, so So we've we've thrown this around a couple times, forgiving, we've talked about the man in the parable forgiving, we've talked about God forgiving, taking away all of our sins, separation, restoring the relationship. So I'm going to offer up um, a definition of, of forgiveness now, and I'll let Pastor Wright offer up one as well. Um, for me, I see forgiveness as a promise, a promise to not let the past affect our future. I see forgiveness not just as a one-time action, as in like one and done, I say I forgive you, that's all there is to it, but it's a promise. Forgiveness starts when you say, I forgive you. 
and it continues into the actions that you do after that. And that applies to God's forgiveness of us and our forgiveness of others. When God says, I forgive you, that is a promise that continues on into our whole lives. And we can always know that that promise will be fulfilled. It becomes real in that moment when we are offered that forgiveness, when we receive that promise, but it doesn't end there. There's not a later time where God's going to say, oh, I forgave you for that. Actually, I'm going to hold you to that now. Actually, I've changed my mind. No, God keeps his promises. And that's kind of our attitude as we approach forgiveness with others too. When someone does something wrong to me, uh, let's say that they just hypothetically badmouthed me in front of other people. And I, and I came to them and I said, hey, this, this hurt me when you said this about me. And they said, okay, I'm sorry. And I say, I forgive you. I am making a promise that I intend to keep, that I will not let that past action affect my future relationship with them. That means forgiveness doesn't end the minute that conversation does but it continues on into our future interactions and it continues to, to be affected by what I do and how I interact with them in the future. Am I keeping my promise? The immortal words of President Reagan, trust but verify. And the reason I bring this up is, uh, again, going back to the relationship aspect, you have just created this very interesting tension Yes. That I now have to work to ensure that I'm keeping you the forgiveness of your sin at the forefront of my thoughts, which means that I'm not recognizing your sin, but I'm treating you as forgiven. And that does fall on me, and it falls on you too, only in the sense that you live out in that forgiveness instead of, well, let's for, forgive and forget, and then immediately return back to whatever pet sin or, or issue that is. Right. And we love to look at the past and say, this is how you're going to act, and that's how you're going to continue to act. But the statement, your sins are forgiven, breaks that. Yes. And says, I'm not going to judge you, treat you from the past. I'm going to treat you as God treats you. Yes. A forgiven saint, forgiven child, forgiven uh, person. And that's, a, that's hard. Oh, yeah. Because I know I'm sinful. <laughs> Me too. But forgiveness creates the opportunity for repentance. Forgiveness, by, by promising to not let the past affect the future, forgiveness creates the opportunity to turn around, to turn away from that sin, to turn away from uh, the thing that was wrong, the thing that broke the relationship. Absolutely. And what I love about this, again, uh, it's definitely speaking relational. If you are turning from your sin, I travel with you. Right. And now because you have changed, I have changed, which really gives the opportunity to strengthen the bond, strengthen the life, build stronger community. Others see this. Forgiveness is not natural. No. And I, I love that because it really does show that forgiveness comes from God. The Holy Spirit works in such a way to move people to forgive mm -hmm. and then to trust that forgiveness is really there. Right. And that's hard, too, because I know for myself, especially when I'm alone, uh, I have no problem um, with the issue that the 
accusations of my past sins seem to float in my thoughts. Am I really forgiven for this or that? You know, you feel guilty that you uh, cut somebody off or didn't do something or didn't help someone or whatever. And then the question, am I forgiven? Mm-hmm. And we always get to say yes, because we're forgiven in Christ. And that's yet another chance to repent, mm-hmm. to turn away, to trust that God is, has, and will do what he promises. You also mentioned something uh, interesting when we look at uh, the pronouncement of forgiveness of sins, in the rite of individual confession and absolution, there is a statement after the person who's making the confession. He says, I want to do better. Mm-hmm. That's not a promise. No. It is recognizing I want to, which is the repent aspect. I'm going to work to change my ways to live in this forgiveness. And I think that is a huge statement. Mm-hmm. And it's so much bigger and grander than, oh, do your best. It is recognizing I have fallen short of the glory of God and I am forgiven and I will live a holy life with his strength, with his help. But it is a constant state of uh, tension within ourselves. The whole saint and sinner aspect. Yeah, I am 100% sinner. I'm 100% saint, and that will be a struggle until the resurrection, living out the forgiveness of sins. Before we started recording, we were talking about uh, God forgiving. Yes. And uh, the the idea that really he's the only one that does the forgiving. Uh, what, what does that look like? Well, I think what I was getting at when we were talking before is kind of the immensity of the fact that only God can truly make and keep this promise to its fullest. I can make the promise, you know, I will forgive you. Let's go back to the example of someone bad-mouthing me. I will forgive you for doing this, and I promise not to hold this against you in the future. I can make that promise. Um, However, next time I see that person, am I going to think about that? Maybe. Am I going to be more wary of telling them things about myself? Possibly. And because I want to live up to my promise, I want to keep that as, as minimalized as possible. But there's, there's limits to that. God in his power does not have those same limits. We talk about forgiving and forgetting. That's not entirely possible for us. I don't know about you, but when someone wrongs you, sometimes that does stick with you for a while. And I encourage you, if you're doing that now, to let that go. It truly is freeing to let that go and to to forgive even for yourself, uh, to, to let that other people's sin that you're holding on to, to let that go. But that's hard for us because of our human limitations. God does not have those same limitations. He really can forgive and forget. When we talk about God being all-powerful or all-knowing, that means he has all power to do what he wants to do. His ability to be all-knowing means he can actually choose what he knows and what he doesn't. Meaning when he forgives us and he says, your sins are as far as the east is from the west, I will remember them no more. God can actually do that. He can truly treat us in the future as if our past is gone. And this is a relational thing. And when God walks with us after we have been forgiven and we're walking in repentance and, and trying to, to be better, 
we walk in the promise of his grace. And that's what that looks like. Um, when he, when he corrects us and guides us, it's not in the sense that he will bring up our past sins to condemn us again. Uh, but it is out of the fact that we are already forgiven uh, in a relationship that has been repaired. He now helps make us better, makes us into who we are meant to be. We have that same opportunity when we forgive other people to not hold their past sins against them, uh, but to truly encourage them to, to be better and to repent, not out of guilt, uh, not out of holding it over their head, but out of a repaired relationship out of a knowledge that the grace will always be there for them from us and ultimately from God, the true source and uh, the only true way that this forgiveness can be fully proclaimed. Absolutely. And this really flows into a statement I think gets thrown out a lot. The peace of the Lord mm -hmm. and peace with God is really the restored relationship. God no longer seeks to exercise his divine right privilege of wrath yeah and we have restored peace with god in jesus and that is the great and wondrous gift that we have and we shouldn't throw around that word peace without the full understanding and i don't think we will ever fully understand it because of again how far god has gone to rescue us from sin death and hell in jesus to give us peace that we can live a repentant life, and that life is always uh, turning, always working to be better in what God has given to us as he shows mercy and grace. This peace that Pastor Wright is talking about, David uh, kind of puts imagery to this in Psalm 32. He writes, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. For while I kept silent, my bones wasted away, th uh, through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. In this psalm, David gets at the benefits of being forgiven by God. While, while he was silent, while he held that sin himself, his bones were wasting away, grinding, groaning. Uh, he felt heavy. His strength was dried up. And maybe you feel this way as well. But when we come before God and receive his forgiveness, we get the opposite of this. Peace. That peace is offered here at Holy Cross every Sunday at 6 p.m. on Saturday, 8 o'clock and 9.45 on Sunday. That 8 o'clock service is live-streamed and can be found on our Facebook page or our website. We encourage you to join us and to receive the peace of God that comes from forgiveness through Christ that leads us to a repentant and grace-filled life. Thank you for joining us. God's peace and blessings be upon you.